Well, welcome back to the Ramble Room. It is good to be back in production again. It was, it was fun to be in Cheyenne and to do those tasks down there. But getting back home and being with some old friends is a pretty good way to be. Charlie Cole is with us today. Welcome back. Thank you, Ken. Good to be back. And welcome back from your labors down there. Thank you. It's, I'm trying to, trying to figure out how to express it because sometimes you feel like it's just like shoveling sand into the ocean. <laughs> it's, it's labor, yes. Uh, but what will, it, what will it accomplish? I don't know. We might get into that a little bit later. But uh, you have, have been doing a little look into the judiciary in Wyoming, as I understand it, and you have some thoughts and opinions there. And as usual, I'll just try to get out of the way and, and let you pontificate. Well, um, the area of the judiciary, just, not, just a, a brief review of what, the, what we all know or should know, uh, it was the founder's intent that knowing that politics or parties, they called them factions, were always going to be diametrically opposed one to another, and they were going to reach a point where sometimes you can't agree even to disagree, and it got pretty nasty, and it still is. And their intent was to build a, at the federal level, an independent judiciary. That was the intent. Well, uh, human beings being what we are, frail and corruptible, over time, that has not worked out very well. We all know the horror stories with the federal judiciary, especially the Supreme Court. I mean, you watch those hearings and they become basically clown shows, uh, just absolutely outrageous stuff. I mean, nothing to do with legal analysis, uh, legal facts, et cetera. Uh, and now you have an instance where in the Supreme Court, uh, for, the, for the longest time, we know which justices, quote-unquote, are going to vote which way before they ever cast their vote. That's not what an independent judiciary was founded to be. And at the federal level, of course, the, the, real, exec, the real power in the judiciary lies with the executive branch because they get to appoint federal district court judges. Those are the trial judges at the federal level, such as Casper in our case. Um, federal circuit appellate courts in the nine circuits uh, across the country, and then, of course, the Supreme Court. Well, the judicial appointments at the federal level go to the U.S. Senate for <laughs> confirmation. Well, that's become either a total rubber stamp for the majority party or it's just a, an absolute free-for-all like the moderate, nice guy, old gentle Joe Biden did to, uh, to Justice Clarence Thomas. People haven't looked at that. Look back and you'll see how gentle old Joe it really is. But anyway, uh, beyond that, the judiciary, there were no state courts at the beginning. Of course, there were no real states until the Constitution was formed. And after that, as the states were added to the Union, uh, each state developed its own constitution, and from that, they developed their own state judiciary. And it runs the whole gamut between from elected judges to uh, appointed judges, uh, combinations of the two, and everything in between. And these tend to get overlooked. The federal judiciary has kind of outweighed the state courts um, for a lot of different reasons, but the state courts are vitally important because uh, you can have the best-intentioned legislature uh, in the country, and you can pass some of the most sanguine laws ever at the state level, and yet they are still subject to review by the judicial branch of the state. And that calls into question, okay, then... Maybe we need to pay a little bit more attention in Wyoming to the judicial branch. Uh, the example right now that's in everybody's face is over the issue of, of the abortion statutes that were passed. And, of course, uh, the proponents of abortion here in Wyoming ran breakneck speed up to Teton County, selected a judge that 
they pretty much knew how she was going to rule before she ruled, and they filed for an injunction to stop the enforcement of that law. It was called the Right to Life Law. Yeah, it was House Bill 152. Yeah. Um, it was basically an enhancement of what had been the trigger bill from the prior legislature, and that one had also been taken the same route. Mm -hmm. And this one we, we looked at after having a year or so of hearing the arguments against what we had proposed last time. We tried to preempt some of that. Uh, some of those things were taken out of the bill. Uh, some were left there, but all in all, we think it was a stronger law. But we did we did understand that it was going to be subject to the same judicial review. Pretty much anything that we did across the legislature, the discussion came up about was it quote unquote constitutional? Was it going to be able to pass muster and it became a tactic that anytime someone might oppose some of our legislation, they just simply said, well, we shouldn't even try because they're just going to strike it down. Right. And we stood back and just said, until it's been adjudicated, we're going to call it constitutional. We're going to do what we think is right. We're going to do our part, and then we'll pass it on to the other branch, which, as you mentioned, is supposed to be independent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So take well, it from there. We know what happened to it, and we know what the ruling was. There was just fairly recently, uh, sure enough, after the actual hearing, the judge up in Teton County ruled that uh, she ruled in favor in favor of a permanent injunction against the law, citing that uh, a, a woman's right to choose was a woman's right, as per the Wyoming Constitution. I'd still like to see the absolute verbiage of that, but anyway, that's another one of these what they call in the legal circles a penumbra. It's a, one of these things written in in uh, invisible ink in between the lines of the Constitution. Um, I've got that right here if you want to hear the, the okay. actual. Okay. And it, it is kind of interesting. It bears review because for a long time when we were fighting the COVID battles, um, a lot of us would point to Article 2, excuse me, Article 1, Section 38 of the Constitution and they flipped that back around and, and tried to use it in this case. But as is often the case, when you take something out of context, it doesn't really have its full effect. So uh, Article 1, Section 38, right of health care access. Each competent adult shall have the right to make his or her own health care decisions. The parent, guardian, or legal representative of any other natural person shall have the right to make both health care decisions for that person. Any person may pay, and a health care provider may accept direct payment for health care without imposition or penalties or fines for doing so. The legislature may determine reasonable and necessary restrictions on the rights granted under this section to protect the health and general welfare of the people or to accomplish the other purposes set forth in the Wyoming Constitution. The state of Wyoming shall act to preserve these rights from undue governmental infringement. So obviously, to, to state the obvious, the argument is always a woman has a right to her own, to supremacy over her own body. She can make her own health care decisions. And what is obviously left out of that argument is it is not just the woman's body that's in question, there is also an, another human being. And that was one of the things that was put into this law was that life begins at conception. Mm -hmm. uh, then that's when legally life begins. But it was very important to do that because now we have two lives. And yes, you have autonomy over your own body. Um, but as you can tell in the context, there's also the argument about a parent um, how far does that go? Do I have the right to abort my 16-year-old son because he failed chemistry? Yeah, euthanasia is the next the next step, I suppose. Well, that what you just read, I think probably I'd have to read the judicial opinion, actual holding, but I think it probably turns on <clears throat> on the word right and also the word health care. 
You see, they Okay, have, that was the second thing that we put into this, is we said specifically abortion is not health care. Okay. Well, that's the part I'm sure that triggered the, the, right. the actual ruling, because for them, I say them with all due respect, or lack of same, they call abortion women's health care. Well, not to be... Not to be too judgmental about it, but uh, in Germany in the 1930s, uh, the Nazi party called exterminatory eugenics, they called it societal hygiene. When you call something something that it isn't, then where, where do you stand? And that's the whole purpose of the law, is to actually interpret what the law says and the intent of the framers of the law. Uh, but what I want to do is briefly go through the way that I... I myself, after moving here 13 years ago, I, I've been remiss on this because I just didn't think that in a state with a, with a Republican legislature and a Republican governor, I didn't think this was going to become a problem. However, the Wyoming courts basically you have three levels, four if you count the municipal courts, but those are just basically traffic courts. So the three main ones are the Supreme Court, the district courts, and the circuit courts. So the Supreme Court of Wyoming uh, is the final arbiter of cases under state law. Its decisions are final, except for cases that involve a question of federal law, which can be appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court. The Wyoming Supreme Court hears appeals from the decisions of the district courts and also petitions for extraordinary relief from lower court decisions. In deciding these appeals, the Supreme Court sets forth the, def the definitive statements on Wyoming law, which are binding upon all other courts and state agencies unless changed by legislative action. There are five justices of the Supreme Court. The term of office is eight years. When a vacancy occurs, the Judicial Nominating Committee, a commission, submits a list of three qualified nominees to the governor, and the governor makes the appointment from that list. After serving... On the Supreme Court for one year, the new justice stands for retention in office on a statewide ballot in the next general election. If a majority of the electoral, electorate votes for retention, the justice serves an eight-year term and may seek succeeding terms by means of a nonpartisan retention ballot. Justices must retire at that court age of 70. The next level is the district courts. The district courts are the trial courts of general jurisdiction in Wyoming. A district court exists in all 23 counties, and the counties are organized into nine judicial districts. The district judges preside over felony criminal cases, large civil cases, as well as juvenile and probate matters. They also hear appeals from lower court decisions. District judges are chosen like justices of the Supreme Court, same manner. Uh, again, by the governor after the commission represent, uh, rep recommends three of them. They serve six-year terms. The governor appoints a judge from a list of three qualified persons submitted by the Judicial Nominating Commission and the provisions for retention of the same Supreme Court justices. And the last level I'll talk about is the circuit courts. The circuit courts are limited jurisdiction courts. The geographic boundaries of the circuit courts are the same as the nine judicial districts of the district courts, and there are circuit courts in all 23 counties. The civil jurisdiction of the circuit courts covers small claims cases and civil cases in which the damages for recovery don't exceed $50,000. Circuit courts also hear family violence, stalking, and sexual assault uh, protection order cases. The criminal jurisdiction of the civil courts covers all misdemeanor cases, say... Uh, a circuit court may also have the jurisdiction of a municipal court over ordinance violations if the municipal court represents it, blah, blah. Supreme Court consists, uh, consents to such uh, a consolidation, of course. Finally, the circuit courts may set bail for people accused of crimes, and they may conduct preliminary hearings in felony cases. Circuit court justices are appointed by the governor, in the same manner as the Supreme Court justice and the district judges. They serve four years. So I took all of that from uh, the actual Wyoming official court website. Those are accurate descriptions of our court system. Notice the key elements here. 
None of these judges are elected to office. They are appointed by the governor. Now, in the case of the Supreme Court, it's true that um, a justice of the Supreme Court, after his first year, uh, stands for retention on a statewide ballot. And then, if they are retained, they serve an eight-year term, up to age of 70, and then they must retire. So... The, the citizens of the state of Wyoming have placed a heck of a lot of trust in the, officer of the, in the office of the governor. Now, if he, if, if he decides that certain laws kind of run afoul of his own perceived interests or his perceived perceptions of justice, then watch what he can accomplish through those appointments. Where we, I think we, all of us, the voters and citizens, I have been a little remiss. I can't think of one instance in the brief 13 years I've lived here where there was any discussion, real discussion, about when one of these judges comes up for retention on the ballot. I haven't heard any, I've heard any discussion about it. I haven't heard anybody bring up the, the judge's record of cases and holdings. Maybe it's time that we took a much closer look at that. Uh, it also indicates how serious uh, it is to select a governor who is genuinely uh, a conservative. If you're a conservative state, you really need a bona fide conservative governor. If you don't have one, well, certain things are liable to happen. Uh, and some of it we're seeing today. So I think, uh, hopefully within the sound of our voice, uh, some of the county chairmen of the uh, GOP committees, uh, of their counties, will kind of listen to this and assign maybe uh, a task to one of their committees to say, can you track the, our, uh, our circuit and district judges and what they're doing? I can think of one here in our area. I won't mention any names, but I can't believe the number of probation uh, orders that have been issued. Some of these people that are getting probation are multiple recidivist offenders. And each time they get probation, it doesn't seem to affect their, what the cops used to call the yellow sheet. They just, they're, they treat it as a, as a totally new uh, instance. And the same thing would apply, I think, for our, I think we call it the county attorney here, the DA, district attorney. I think it's called the county attorney. I haven't seen a lot of uh, rigorous campaigning. or That's an elective office, I believe. And yet, how importantly do we take that? I think the whole matter related to criminal justice and justice in, in, in all the courts in Wyoming, that needs to become a focal point for, especially since we are a Republican state, these Republican county uh, chair people, they need to maybe get a, a handle on this and, and assign some people to say, hey, can you look at this one judge before he or she comes up for retention so that maybe we could publish some factual material as to their retention ability or the desirability of retention? As, as a little grain of hope, I can tell you that at least here in Sheridan County, uh, that's happening. Good. There is some review now of several of these persons and trying to decide you know what what's the best approach to go there i've mentioned it before on this show and in other places people say well what's the greatest threat to wyoming and i believe it's voter apathy mm -hmm. um, if you were to ask a hundred people on the street the name of one wyoming supreme court judge you might find one person out of those hundred who might be able to name one, maybe. Um, it's it's just one of those things that it, it takes work to stay up on what's your representative doing, what's your senator doing, what is going on. And most people have lives to live. That's right. where they're that's where they're focused, and they trust the idea that, as you kind of alluded to earlier in the show. Uh, I figured with a Republican governor, Republican legislature, things are going to be pretty cool. Folks, it's not the case. And the backlash is we're on the precipice of losing everything. 
And I know that sounds extremist and alarmist, but it's true. Fortunately, all across the state, people are waking up. We were in a meeting yesterday in Casper with 75 or 80 people there, and about, I would say, a third of the people there, they, had, they did a little straw poll and said, how many of you are political refugees from another state? And about a third of the people in there who are active in politics mm -hmm. raised their hands and said, this is the last place. <laughs> yeah, I, can, I can certainly commiserate. I, I'm one of those refugees that escaped uh, one of the horrible blue places and still consider myself uh, tongue-in-cheek to have a Wyoming green card in the sense that having been, I was brought up in, in Arizona, so the Code of the West was nothing new to me. And it was the last, I told my wife, we moved here, I said, the last thing you want to say in, in this area is, well, back in this other place, we did not stop. Stop right there. Mm -hmm. But back to your point, it, yeah, it's a combination of voter apathy and because, and maybe apathy is too strong a word, um, maybe it's lack of ability to spend the time and effort that it takes. Well, that's where these county county uh uh, committees should should take over that's where they should pick up because they volunteered to step forward and do this and you've got these subcommittees at the county level and i hopefully will more of them will assign hey your job is to legal beagle these guys watch their decisions they're publicly i mean you get them you here in town you can get them on the shared media you can get the shared press and i don't care how they describe it but the facts are still there it used to be that that was in part the job of the press mm -hmm. that they were to be the watchdog they were to look out for the thoughts and ideas and dreams of the people and they would watch governments and they would point out when governments began to wander astray but what we have today is a media that seeks to shape society we don't take a poll for example to find out what's going on we advertise the results of a poll in order to bend the will of the people, in order to shape an election, for example. Mm -hmm. And that's where things have gone horribly wrong, at least in, there's, there are a number of factors. But, but that's a critical factor. And so the fact that we've got people like David Iverson out there, we've got people like Grace Andrus and, and her conservative chronicle, all of these things we're working together trying to raise the alarm bell like the, the, the watchman in the watchtower. Say, we see mm -hmm. danger. Mm -hmm. And this, if, if you're listening to this, please pay attention. And please talk to your neighbors, talk to your friends, let them know there are some things that you need to know. You need to understand what's happening around us, else we do lose it all. Right. And from that, I'd like to transition to my next brief segment of the, of the thing, uh, back to my, my old book that we talked about several times. Bring, um, se several people may not remember that, so let's just, when you reintroduce the book, tell sure. us the background about uh, when and how that was written, okay, and, the, and a little synopsis. The name of the book is In Russian Wonderland, you know, like Alice in Wonderland, and then there's a colon after it, and Americans... Uh, apostrophe S, uh, Odyssey in Soviet Russia. I wrote it in 2017, and it's based upon something that I went through in my life. I, by education, training, and career back in my working life, et cetera, and military and working life, uh, I'm a Russian linguist, and I was a Russian language educator. We taught Russian to uh, U.S. military personnel. Right before, in between my own military service and after graduating from college, I, I got a job with the old United States Information Agency that sent cultural exchange exhibits behind the Iron Curtain once a year. And I hooked up with one of them, and I spent six months traveling around the Soviet Union with this exhibit. And so the book basically deals with what I saw, what I actually personally witnessed during that, during that six months. Somebody asked me years later, uh, and what my experience was in the Soviet Union, how much time I said, ah, I said, well, I, uh, I spent a, a decade there one year. Uh, it's, it's the kind of thing you never forget. We were fortunate in the sense that I was uniquely placed. I guess the good Lord put me in exactly the right place because here we were. There were 23 of us as guides on this exhibit, and we were exhibiting various American hardware and stuff, everything from little electric kitchen knives all the way up to huge Univac computers and all that stuff. 
But the main thing is we all spoke Russian. So we here we were in the Soviet Union in this exhibit. We were speaking unfiltered, straight with Soviet citizens. And regardless of the antics of the, the secret police, uh, to which I describe in the book also how they how they attempted to uh, get in the middle of those conversations because they didn't want their citizens hearing anything that might contradict anything that the Soviet government and Chinese and the, sorry, the Soviet Communist Party uh, had been telling them since 1917. So it was a unique experience, and it also gave me a very close look, a uh, bird's-eye look on what life is really like in a place like that. And that's the key, I think, probably to why I would now, especially some of the things I'm seeing in this country, <laughs> if you had asked me 20 years ago, well, yeah, we're going to see this and this and this. We're going to see the, the Department of Homeland Security uh, actually just take down our southern border and then claim under oath to, in Congress that, oh, yeah, the border's secure. If, if you had told me that we were going to see the Department of Justice and the Federal Bureau of Investigation involving themselves in purely political uh, operations uh, for clearly ideological purposes, I would have said, no, 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 wait, wait a minute. The things you're talking about, no, no, no. I saw that in the Soviet Union. That can't happen here. Well, update. Uh, it's happening here. That's why a couple of friends of mine recently got the book, and I said, when you read this, Treat it like you would treat something on the computer. You know, on a computer, you can keep various windows open at the same time. Open up a window that shows some of the things that that I describe here as to lack of free speech, constant government harassment, total tyranny, etc. The examples that I show of that, how it impacted on the lives of the people there. And then open your other window to current events here and see if there's a... Eh, maybe at least a slight correlation in there. Yeah. Uh, and which, I, again, I refer, I, I found this quote recently, but it's it's perfect for these purposes. It's, it was by one of my favorite buddies, Thomas Sowell. I, I think the world of that guy. He said, quote, one of the best reasons for studying history is that virtually every stupid idea that is in vogue today has been tried before and proved disastrous time and again. So <laughs> the things that that I'm seeing today, I could I could go down a litany of, of what I saw there, and then you open that other window, and we're seeing not just similar things now. We're seeing almost identical things now. And you talk about alarm bells. Mm -hmm. So this book, again, I bring it up because it's uh, initially <clears throat> I wrote it in the almost, uh, in the almost admirably naive uh, belief that young people would read it. Unfortunately, I found out uh, over the years how many young people actually read very much anymore. But I did make it. Uh, it's it's on Amazon and uh, uh, it's available in paperback and it's also available as an ebook for and, the younger folks. And repeat the title right there. Repeat the title. It's in Russian Wonderland. An American's Odyssey in Soviet Russia. Interestingly, uh, I listened to a program featuring Mr. Root not long ago, and he's got a new book out. And he also put his on Amazon. And they said, well, why did you do that? Because we think Amazon's one of the... He said, the only thing I recommend people to buy off Amazon is books. I mean, everything else is, is nonsense. But he said, the books? And I have found this too. Nobody from Amazon attempted to censor anything I put in here. They, we published it. I published it under my own name. It's up there, and as Ruth said, he said it's it's a it's a great place. So it's available on Amazon, and I encourage people to get it. And if for no other reason, if you got kids or grandkids that are are probably going to live to see what what it is that I saw. You might want to give them a nice present and say, here, read this book. It's pretty short. It's on 184 pages and half, about a third of that's pictures from the old Soviet Union. But it's desperately important on the secular side of the ledger here to understand that there isn't anything new here. If you want to see where this is going, 
if you want to see where these woke folks intend to to take the country, if you really want to peek at what life on the ground is actually like, look here. Look at the examples that I give you because I saw it and I know it, and there it is. Okay, there we got the summary of the book. All right. And what are you seeing now that, you know, we've talked about this several times over the last year or two. Um, What are you seeing now maybe out of the last, say, just two or three months that just really stands out? Well, I think we always knew uh, about some things, although they flew under the radar, and as long as the Democrats had, well, they obtained one way or another, the, uh, the White House, they still had the Congress for the first two years of this, well, administration, to be kind. Uh, so we weren't going to see congressional hearings. We weren't going to find out. Well, now that the Republicans have the House in D.C., we're finding out some stuff that it's even worse than some of us thought. And now we're getting provable, corroborated testimony as to what, what actually has been taking place right under our eyes. The one example is the Twitter files, the whole testimony of these people that were involved in it. And they're catching hell, by the way, these people that went up there and testified. Uh, but they just they laid it out. Here's how, and here's the dangerous part, here's how the FBI was assisting and actually telling Twitter, we want you to do this, we want you to do that, we want you to do this over here. That is purely Soviet behavior. That's just like the KGB telling the local uh, librarians in the Soviet Union, you will only have these books, you will not have those, you, you better toe the party line or else. And yet, what happens always is, is there is this projection upon the enemy Right. And that is precisely what they would accuse us of doing. Right. When we don't want third graders subjected to the equivalent of Penthouse Forum. Right. That's not only projection, that's a misapplication of history because you assume that the porn books, et cetera, are have some kind of value for right. third graders. Right. Well, that's a heck of a leap across the Grand Canyon of assumptions. What they were doing in the Soviet Union is they made sure that only what they wanted out got out. I remember when I first got to Moscow, we uh, we bedded down a hotel for a couple of days waiting to waiting for our, our flight to the first exhibit city. And so we get in the hotel room, nice hotel in Moscow, one of the best ones. And I looked and there was a radio up on the shelf and I turned it on and I started looking for the dial to tune it. And there was no tuner dial. So I understood right away, it was Radio Moscow, and I understood right away that you had two options, on or off. That's the kind of society that they're trying to create here because how much censorship are we seeing way, way more than anything that would have been acceptable even to, um, well, where are the civil libertarians? Where are they? They have vanished because they're part of this big narrative. And the narrative... Another thing you're seeing today is, again, you're seeing an attitude out of the federal government, out of bureaucrats in the federal government. I call it the, the so what attitude. Um, they just they, they do what, what the narrative tells them to do. And if they're caught at it, they simply say they'll either deny it or even worse, they'll ignore it. Mm-hmm. They have ignored congressional subpoenas. Arizona is a beautiful example right now because, uh, well, the real governor, Carrie Lake, who I think was actually would have been elected, she filed a lawsuit. It was not heard in the local court, or they turned down, so she went to the Arizona Supreme Court. Most of the points they deferred on, but one point they said, wait a minute. These county electors, officials, election officials, have a duty by Arizona election law to verify these signatures. We don't see that that was done. And they ordered the county electoral boards to, to do that, to comply and report back. And the Maricopa County election officials ignored them. That's that's something that is, you know, you say, okay, that's happening in Arizona, that's happening, but it's not happening in Wyoming. Well, only it's not happening in Wyoming. We had a citizen group in Park County 
that wanted to go back and review, just do a hand count. And let's just see if, if, there's, if the machines are as accurate as you say they are, you've got nothing to hide. Mm-hmm. Long story short, Park County, Park County, maybe that was a Freudian slip of something. <laughs> Paul Pot. Pox, <laughs> Pox County. Uh, Park, Park County ended up destroying, before it was legally due, the ballots that these guys were trying to get to, and it was from the 2020 election, so it had already passed and, and over and done with. They just wanted to verify that, and it was destroyed so that they couldn't do it. There are any number of things like that. Another one I'll pull you is uh, I've mentioned this House Bill 212 that I presented, which would have created a standing committee uh, for federal review. And it would look at actions of the federal government that are over and beyond the scope, federal overreach, and say, look, this is not constitutional, and then look for some sort of a nullification or other means mm-hmm. of, of backing it off. And everybody that I spoke to in the legislature said, oh, yes, this is happening. Federal government's way beyond its overreach. Okay, let's do something about it. No. And so I hear from those with, within that movement, what we want to do then is we want to petition. We want to petition to get this done. We want to petition to get that done. You can petition till you're blue in the face. Nobody gives a crap. <laughs> and that's really where we're at. And it's, it's terrifying. It is. And there, notice Washington, D.C., this federal bureaucracy, this huge bureaucracy, it's starting to treat the states the same way Moscow used to treat the, 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 the 15 republics of the so-called Soviet Union. They, they dictated to these guys what it would be, and any attempt to say, well, wait, did you be, up? Oh, shut up. Do it our way. And probably the most frightening similarity I see is the attitude, the rather lax attitude, I would say, of a lot of people today. Um, It's something I saw in the Soviet Union. They had no choice because from 1917 until I got there in 1972, I mean, they weren't even at stage five of that disease. They were just completely rotted out from the inside out. So if I were to describe the Soviet Union, life in the Soviet Union, with one word, it would be hopelessness. Those people who committed, a lot of them committed no sin other than being born in the wrong place at the wrong time, they had no escape, they had no redress. Courts, please, uh, from the Moscow show trials of the 30s right straight through the end of the Soviet Union, the, the results were already known before the judges sat down. The prosecutors were vicious types. The defense attorneys were kind of standing there to be there. But there was no, there was no, there wasn't even a hint at what we would call justice. So we look today, we open now the current window. What kind of equal justice under the law are we seeing today? And you can go through a number of cases. The classic one to me is to show you the the depth of penetration of this stuff. In most jurisdictions, <clears throat> at least in the federal courts. The grand jur- federal grand juries and the federal petite juries, trial juries, are taken from voter registration rolls. Okay. A lot of people used to say, well, Hillary Clinton, my gosh, all that stuff, she should be indicted. And I always ask the people, okay, first of all, where are you going to indict her? Since it's a federal crime and she was a federal, you'd have to do it in the, in the district court in Washington, D.C. And you draw from the grand jury you draw from the register registration vote and it's 95 percent democrat what chance do you think you're going to put together a grand jury the majority of which are going to vote to indict her the other example is on the other side of that is michael sussman one of her lawyers they they indict they actually uh got to the point of an indictment it was so blatantly obvious that even the grand jury there could be but the trial jury again coming from that registration population, the man sent out emails which confirmed his guilt of what he was being charged with. And 
They deliberated him a couple hours, make it look good. They came back and acquitted him. And the jury foreman said, well, we don't see, so he lied. We don't see any reason. He should have never been indicted in the first place. When your justice system, quote unquote, get, becomes that corrupt, you have a serious, serious problem. Because where, is, where do the people go for redress of grievance? Where? To those of you who might say, oh, yeah, but that's not Wyoming. I would point toward three representatives in the last couple of years who basically were alleged to have done, and I, I use the word alleged reservedly because in this country you are innocent until proven guilty, but the evidence is pretty much insurmountable. Uh, that of Dan Swanitzer, that of Cyrus Western, and that of Carly Provenza. And all of these people should have, if, if indeed... They were not guilty of the things that people were, were pointing at or accusing thereof. Uh, they should have at least had a, a chance for a fair hearing to be exonerated. But that never happened. And so what you and I are beginning to portray here is a sense of hopelessness that leaves the person ready to go turn the radio off and go do something else, go fly fishing or something, because there ain't, there ain't nothing we can do. But... There is hope. There is a Savior. Well, we'll transition to that in just a moment. But while we're still on the secular side, I will say we still, believe it or not, have, although the the light is starting to flicker, we still have the right to elect people to represent us. In the Soviet Union... (laughs) Elections were... You used to to hear Brezhnev would get 99% of the vote. Well... God help the 1% that didn't vote for him because those people were probably rounded up and put in an insane asylum. But uh, the whole election system there was a joke. The justice system there was a joke. Uh, Every single thing, people reached a point where, and here's where it really gets bad, and here's where I've seen some of this also in this country. Uh, Not only were were they forced to accept the lies, they were expected to repeat and support the lies and if they didn't there were consequences think of how many instances we're seeing in this country if somebody speaks up about an issue all of a sudden they lose their job or they are otherwise harassed or they come back and retract their statement in spades sure so while we still have this ability to participate in our own self-governance, people had better stop taking politics as just a, oh, well, you know. What we're trying to talk about, I think, isn't even politics, it's civics. Mm-hmm. We need to become civically involved, and if we don't, we're going to get what we will deserve, secularly. Exactly. Now, let's transition, if we will, exactly. to the real solution. Um I became aware of this, I think, the, the farther this, this train went off the track. I finally reached a point where uh, I got back in the Bible and looked for things that might give me a little hint, uh, other than the book of Revelation, uh, as, to, as to what's coming, where we are, what's coming. So to our Christian listeners, let me quote you some relevant Bible passages that I think you might want to review in light of what we're seeing today. First of all, where are we? Well, look up 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. And it says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. I want to just throw one thing in there as a little bit of a... So often we read Scripture from a 21st century perspective and we think that society has always been the same. And all that I want to point out is he says they gather to them teachers and so we think immediately about the education system, about preachers, and, and that sort of thing. The teachers were the political leaders. Right. We gather political leaders that tell us what we want to hear. And it tickles our ears, and that's great, it, because then we don't have to think. We can the go thinking back to, has already been done. All we have to do is just 
float along, etc. Uh, although I would say also in the modern context, the teachers is also a, that's a double entendre here because we got a lot of those folks that. So, uh, when you when a society reaches this point, I think the only real solution out of it. Uh, well, I'll defer that for just a second. I'll come back to it. But as to some of the current lunacy that we're seeing, consider this: we see now the mutilation of young children. And we see it called gender-affirming care. Well, if you hold on to that thought just a second, listen to these two brief passages of Scripture uh, and see if they don't kind of ring a bell and maybe an alarm bell. Isaiah 5, chapter 5, verse 20. Woe unto those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light, and light for darkness. So you can go ahead and call what science, sonogram technology has proven beyond a scintilla of a doubt, a human life. You can call snuffing out that light women's health care all you want. You can call the physical mutilation of young children gender-affirming care all you want. But just because you call it that, you're calling evil good. And the Lord has already spoken on that issue. And the second one I'd say yes to that. If you're if anybody that's involved in that business, just look at Matthew 8, verse 6. I'm sorry, 18, verse 6. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it is better for him that a heavy millstone be hung around his neck and that he be drowned in the depth of the sea. Folks, if you are even tempted to accept this nonsense, think about those two passages of Scripture because God is watching all of this. And He's doing this in His own time because now we'll get back to what I think is the only answer at this point. And that is, uh, it's found in Second Chronicles chapter 7. Now, there's two verses in there, 13 and 14. We hear 14 quoted a lot that says, uh, My people who are called by my name, humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn wicked ways, etc. I will say that I will protect their land. What we forget is that verse 14 begins with the word and. Well, guess what? That's the, the, that means you've got to look at what came right before it. Now we'll read verse 13 and see if this rings any bells today. He says, the Lord says through his prophet, If I shut up the heavens so there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, this is, then you get to the and. And after all of that, verse 14, And my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Uh, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. This, folks, was written a couple of thousand years ago by God's prophets. And if you don't think that he has sent some of this stuff upon us for this very reason, then maybe you ought to rethink that a little bit. Because if you if you think that all of this Falderall that we've been talking about throughout this show just happened. You know, sort of like it was the modern version of the Big Bang. If you think it just materialized out of nothing, or if it was just circumstantial or just, well, just, just an accident, then you better look back, if you, if you take the Bible seriously at all, look back at what he has said. He's the one who has allowed this to happen. He allowed things to happen in times gone by and every time every time that he saved the nation it was because the people rose up and said that's enough of that we have to get back to god and to godly ways and i'm telling you unless i'm way off base i don't see any secular way out of this i mean you're right we have to be civically responsible election process study the judiciary look at history look at good but at the end of the day, that's why that, that, that uh, revival in Kentucky was so 
impressive to me because those young people stood up at some risk to themselves uh, of being mocked and jeered and all that. They stood up and they said, no, you know what? This, this is enough. And I just wonder where, where that line is going to be drawn, where if they cross it, now, now we're past the Rubicon and, and now we're going to say, okay, that stuff, sorry, enough, enough. Let's turn back to what this nation was founded to be. And it was founded on principles, immutable principles, that those founding fathers believed emanated from God and God's law and nature's law. And as much as these guys try to just poo-poo it and say, no, 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 we're science. Oh, you're science. Except that you don't believe in 3D sonograms. You don't believe in, in physics, the law of thermodynamics, the transfer of heat and how that happens, that the climate changes. And if you don't believe in, I guess you don't believe in biology now. That must not be a science anymore. While I was dozing, they did away with biology. Well, sooner or later, they're going to they're start doing things, I hope, I hope, that are going to be so outrageous that that's that going to shock people to say, you know, it, 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 that's, it's time to. And just electing people with R's after their name isn't going to do it. Even if we get a huge uh, conservative caucus, freedom caucus, that's, that'll be great, but it won't be enough. And if Wyoming thinks, I guess my last thought today, if Wyoming thinks that we're somehow here living in God's country and things never going to change here, Mark Stein, who half the stuff he says is tongue-in-cheek, but he's also a pretty smart guy, and he said famously once, he said the uh, appearance of permanence is the illusion of every age. I'm sure that in 1910, nobody in Russia dreamed of what was coming. Pretty sure in Germany in 1930 or 32, nobody dreamed of what was coming. Even the well-intentioned Chinese peasants in 1949, they didn't know. Uh, a lot of people in Cuba had, had enough of the, the nonsense regime. They couldn't have imagined what Castro was going to do. So, folks... Stay tuned and stay awake. Thank you, Charlie.